Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. It is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Amit Fadnes, Chief Digital Officer at GE Healthcare. Amit, uh, pleasure to have you on the show and welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So, Amit, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to digital at GE Healthcare. Yeah, so look, you know, I, I grew up in India, you know, worked, I studied there in the Institute of Science did my master's in electronics and communication, and then basically started working. And most of my career before GE Healthcare was in embedded systems communication networking field. So when GE Healthcare called me in uh, late 2016, I was quite puzzled, frankly, because I said, well, you know, I know nothing about this space and I'm not a healthcare person. And they actually convinced me on the whole uh, digital transformation that they wanted to drive across the business was truly exciting. I talked to the entire leadership team and uh, decided to take the plunge, frankly. I would also say as a quick sort of tidbit that when that call came in initially, there were two things that really stumped me. The first one was, why somebody calling me for healthcare? And then as the conversation progressed, five, seven minutes into the conversation, the person at the other end said, well, you know, I also wanted to let you know that you know this position would be in Milwaukee. I had been to US many, many times before that, and I had no idea at all what you know where Milwaukee. So I had to open up Google Maps and really see. And as it so turned out, look, you know, tiny dot near Chicago. I thought it's a suburb of Chicago. So okay, fine. Okay. So only later that I realized it's near to Chicago, but it's not really as near. So I made two major transitions. You know, one was from sort of networking where I was working for Cisco at that time into healthcare and Bangalore to Milwaukee. And I would tell you that the Bangalore to Milwaukee transition was definitely more sort of challenging in overall compared to the transition to healthcare. But that's how I ended up. You know, my, my first role here was uh, as a CTO of uh, uh, the imaging business, which is our largest business. My focus has always been on digital transformation and I'll talk a little later about uh, the Edison platform. That's where we conceptualized the Edison platform. And then our CEO, uh, Kiran Murphy at that time, said to me that, look, you know, this work that we are doing is really relevant across healthcare. So that's when I picked up the uh, chief digital officer role for the company. Interesting story. And I must say, firstly, I have done that transition myself from Chennai to Chicago. I live in Chicago and I know exactly how far Milwaukee is from Chicago. And we do have something in common. I used to work in GE back in the day when it was called GE Medical Systems and, and Jeff Emil was the head of the business before he became CEO. And so we do have some things in common there. Now, I, I will mention that it's not unusual these days to find chief digital officers in healthcare who come from outside the industry. And in many ways, I think it is a well thought out move 
to bring non-industry executives into healthcare because they bring a whole different perspective. And I'd actually love to kind of start there, right? You came from a non-healthcare background. What was your first impression when you came into your role about the whole healthcare business? And you know how has that changed over the last four or five years that you've now been in the industry and now you're building a platform and uh, you're taking the whole uh, data aggregation, analytics, uh, and advanced analytics space. Just tell us a little bit about your impressions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The first impression in the first few weeks of uh, joining the company, I was actually taken aback by a couple of things, right? The first one was when you look at technologies like CT or MR or, you know, even anesthesia machines, bedside monitors, ICU equipment, uh, you very quickly realize that there is pretty deep tech involved here, right? So there, there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of technology that goes into these products. And the complexity of these technologies is pretty high. It's also a place where there is a fair bit of science and physics and electronics that actually comes together and electromagnetics that actually comes together. So it was phenomenal to see that, by the way, first of all. Uh, second thing that I, I saw with G Healthcare, and that's generally true with the healthcare industry overall, is that people are very tenured. So, you know, there are a lot of people who have been with G Healthcare or, or with healthcare for a very long period of time, and they really understand the space and the depths of it really, really well, which I think is very important given the importance of the work that we do from a patient perspective, right? So the, that's very, very crucial. And frankly, the third thing wasn't a great experience to begin with, but I, I really started appreciating it over a period of time, which was the whole regulatory framework, right? And you know, when I initially got in, everything seemed a little slow, too much of process, you know, a lot of you know attention towards testing and safety and you know regulatory compliance, yeah. you know, privacy issues and things like that. And when you come from a different world, you sort of say, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is really burdensome. This is slow, right? That's your first impression. But then you very quickly start realizing that you're dealing with it and you start appreciating why, you know, some of those things are absolutely crucial, right? And that's something that I've really got to appreciate over four or five years that I've been here now. There's almost, uh, in fact, I, I would say it's one of the strong sort of pillars on which the industry stands at this point and very, very important. That's very well said. Uh, and now, in your role, how are you defining digital in G Healthcare? And what does that role mean uh, for you? Yeah. See, look, you know, first of all, if you have looked at healthcare products, right, these products, this equipment generally has had a combination of hardware and software ever since, right? I mean, 40 years, 50 years, some 70 years back, whenever this equipment was actually, some of this equipment was first made, even from that time, it has always been a combination of hardware and software. So software is not new to the healthcare industry. But I think over, I would say roughly a decade or so, there has been a very strong realization that the data that, it, that this equipment sort of produces or the other data that is available within the health system, which is patient-centric, is a very important asset that can be made use of to better the healthcare delivery models and the outcomes for the patient significantly. And I think it is everything around what you do with data. That's how I sort of look at it from a digital perspective, right? So 
how can we use the data and the information that the equipment produces or how can we use the, the, the data and the information that we capture for a given patient all cohorts of patients, right? I mean, multiple patients who have gone through similar journeys and so on and so forth, so that we can gain insights into what's really going on, but really more importantly, learn as to what was the state as far as disease state, as far as a patient or a population of patients have gone through, how they were diagnosed, what treatment they were put on, and what was the outcome of that treatment. When you learn all of that, I mean, that's what artificial intelligence and everything is right at this point in time. But our ability to sort of take this data and information, convert that into insights, make use of that, apply techniques like artificial intelligence to really then learn from everything that has happened to better diagnose patients and or create better treatments or more targeted treatments. And that's what precision health is all about. But that's how I, I sort of look, look at it from a digital perspective. That sounds like a very comprehensive uh, vision, Amit. And I know that uh, you've also, in your uh, last few years, launched a new platform, Edison. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And how is it different from the other platform that we're familiar with from GE, which is Predix? Right? Can you talk a little, a little bit about the platform? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe I will answer your second question first. And in that context, I'll also talk about Edison. Uh, but when you look at platform, and by the way, this is a question that I, I've, I've often got. When you look at a platform, there are two aspects to the platform. One is the basic compute and memory and the rest of the operating system infrastructure and things like that. All platforms have that. And it's a pretty common thing across the board. That does not define a platform. That's really what the platform is built on. But a lot of people mistake those aspects as the platform. When you look at the platform, the person of the platform is actually defined by the domain that it deals with. Right. In this particular case, healthcare predicts dealt with industrial automation in general. And when you look at that persona, that persona tends to be very different from industry to industry. So, for example, when you look at healthcare, there are standards for data. There are standards for storing images. There are standards for communicating or connecting to different systems. Right? There's DICOM, there is HL7, now more and more FHIR. The nature of the data is different, right? An image is a, you know, it's a pretty big set of data. The way you process that information is different. The latency and timing requirements are different and so on and so forth. When you look at all of that, you sort of start looking at what is the real persona of this platform? And that's what differentiates one platform from the other. So if you look at a healthcare platform, it will have a very distinct set of characteristics compared to an industrial automation platform. Now, yes, there are a few places where there may be some intersections, like for example, even on a healthcare platform, you may actually look at the device and represent the device and be able to manage that device, right? That sort of goes into a little bit into the IoT and the industrial automation aspect of the platform. But majority, right? And, and specifically when you look at, you know, what are you trying to drive from platform perspective? And the Edison platform is targeted towards clinical workflows and applications. That persona is very important. And that's a basic differentiation between Edison and, and Predix. Now, when we when we started on that journey, we had you know, some simple objectives in front of us. GE Healthcare has about 4 million devices in the field. So a large number of devices. There are roughly about 350,000, maybe 400,000 imaging devices. And the rest are 
you know, life care solutions, ultrasound machines. So there are many, many devices out there in the field. They all produce a tremendous amount of information. In fact, we do 2 billion scans on our devices every year. So you can imagine the, the amount of data that we produce. So one of the first things that we knew we had to do was we had to connect all of these devices so that we can actually ingest all that information into a common place and combine that information with the rest of the information available within the health system. I tend to look at it as a vertical axis and a horizontal axis for data, right? So you get the deep data from the device, which is vertical, and you combine that horizontal information that's there within the health system or outside of the health system. It may be now more and more wearable devices, social media information, population health, and, and so on and so yeah. forth. Or, you know, there are there is EHR, EMRs, right? And they have patient information. And then there is past imaging information in PACS and some of those applications. So that's all horizontal. The Edison platform actually plays at the intersection of that vertical data and the horizontal information. So we, we combine all of that information together. One of our first objectives was to start aggregating information so that you can get a comprehensive 360 degree view of everything that's happening with this patient and all data that is available for one patient, right? So look at it as a longitudinal patient record, which has everything about that patient. And then, you know, the platform needs to provide supporting tools and services to really process that information and put it in a workflow so that the insights that you gain, either by analyzing the data or, or running AI algorithms on it and so on and so forth, you can actually make them a part of a clinical workflow. And it's a very important aspect uh, that we deal with as far as healthcare is concerned, because at the end of the day, the solution that you generate has to fit in a clinician's workflow, and it has to be a pretty seamless fit. So there are things that you have to do on the platform and tools that you have to create from that workflow integration perspective. So in a nutshell, you look at the platform and say, okay, you have connectivity to devices and you have ability to ingest information from them. You then have an ability to combine that information with all of the horizontal information about the patient. And then you have a set of processing tools and you have a set of workflow tools so that you can get insights and you can convert those insights into clinical workflows and through them to an outcome, right? So that's what the platform is actually, and that's how we built it out. Would you say the primary data source for the platform is your images and then you're surrounding that with other data sources whether it is from electronic health record systems or whether it's other systems inside or outside healthcare, as you call it. You know, GE has a certain heritage in the market and it's in medical technologies and in uh, uh, diagnostic devices. So you obviously have a lot of image data, as you mentioned. Right? And images also are more conducive to analysis, at least as far as the published literature is concerned for a variety of reasons. And so talk to us about how you've actually taken all of this and converted all of these aggregated data into advanced analytical insights. Also talk to us about the challenges in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So look, you know, I, I think one of the things that we have realized, you know, as we went through this journey is that when you look at the richness of that data, there is tremendous amount of information that's already available today, right? But 95% of that information is not used. And that's a huge opportunity in healthcare. Because as you make more and more use of the information that's already there, more and more data that's already there, you can get deeper and deeper insights 
and you can optimize the workflows or you can you know be very specific and targeted about identification of disease states or you can be very targeted about the therapies you know that would be effective for a specific biomarker for a, for a specific disease state and what you start realizing is that you can actually apply some of these insights at various levels you know across the enterprise starting with the device and i'll i will give you a couple of examples just to illustrate the point so on on ct and mr i mean these are devices which really think about them as extremely sophisticated cameras right so they're really taking the picture of the patient but really the insight insights of the patient in general yeah the way the technology works generally speaking is that when you scan a patient you get a very weak signal from the patient and you and the job is to actually take that signal a very very weak signal and convert that into an image so that a radiologist or a physician can then look at the image and diagnose the patient what we have been able to do is and, and in general you will see that create a better image you need better hardware you need better physics you know you need better magnetics you know more complexity in software and so on and so forth so in the in the past producing a better image would need next generation of hardware more complex software things like that all targeted towards processing that signal so that you get a better image right because the better the image the image has a lot of noise the better the image the more insights the clinician can get and they can diagnose patients better what we have been able to do on ct and mr is embed ai algorithms and teach them how to differentiate between a signal and noise at the very raw level of the signal and why don't you explain that what does that mean when you scan a patient you might actually project x-ray and then based on you know on the other side you sort of have a detector just say that you you have to transform that projection of the x-ray right and those transformations are very complex or in an mri you you're basically projecting a magnetic field on the patient and the body reacts i mean the, the hydrogen atoms react and you get a reflected signal back and it's a very 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 weak signal i mean i'm i'm telling you at a very crude level right there's a lot more understood yeah you know, fascinating science yeah. to it right so very weak signal which means that there is a lot of noise around it now to create to convert that into a image you really have to do a lot of transformations and a lot of complex image processing software with ai what you do is you teach the ai algorithm that if you see this pattern this pattern has this signal and this noise so you can teach the algorithm that so if yeah. you see a uh, captured pattern you keep teaching you, you show thousands and thousands of such patterns to the algorithm and you keep teaching the algorithm that when you see this this is the signal here this is the noise here but once you know that you can filter the noise so you can also teach the algorithm to filter the noise right so now you you basically use the ai to really create a much better signal and then you do the software processing because your signal is much better your image is going to be much better right in general quality of the image yeah. so we have been able to embed ai to the deepest levels of the product but then at every level so for example in the mri machines when a brain scan has to be done neuro scan has to be done one of the tricky elements there is to set the scan plane correctly and it's it's a technician who has to do it and it's a complex procedure and can takes minutes right to set the scan plane to orient the scan plane because it's 360 degree view you have to you have to really set the scan plane correctly 
And if you don't do that correctly, your image can go wrong, right? We have used the AI algorithms to do automatic scan selection. Now what it does is it saves minutes out of the scan. It also reduces variability from one technician to another technician, and therefore it reduces error significantly. So improves scan time dramatically. It improves the quality of the image. It also reduces the scan time significantly. So it, it results in significant amount of productivity as well as accuracy. So that's another example. But then we have gone all the way. So you can, you can then sort of go at a higher level and you can look at workflows. So you, you can say, okay, you know, I have, to, I have to position the patient on the table. Can I use a camera feed and analyze and then do automatic patient positioning? And so it's a very good example of a workflow that you can do. And we have done that, right? So we're going all the way. Then you can go to the radiology department and say, now you go to the image. Can I interpret the image for you? When you interpret an image, you have to segment it. You have to quantify the image. You have to take the measurements. And then, you know, subsequently, you can also get into actual diagnostic step. Now, if you, if you look at the radiologists and how they work, they spend quite a bit of time segmenting the image. They spend quite a bit of time taking the measurements and it's repetitive task for them. And it is time consuming and error prone. And you can use AI algorithms to actually take out a lot of that mundane activity from their task, right? Repetitive activities from there and make it inherently more accurate, but really get them focused on the actual work that they need to do, which is diagnosing the patient. Everything yeah. else is overhead, right? So we have done that, right? So now you can, you know, pretty much, you know, in 3D, you can segment the image, you can quantify it. You can take measurements, all, all of them through AI, and you can literally, I mean, some of the, some of the anatomies, it, the segmentation measurements can take hours, actually, depending on the complexity of the anatomy. Yeah. You can reduce that yeah. time to literally 30 seconds, right? And then the last step is obviously clinical diagnostic processes, right? So can you actually diagnose using AI, at least as an assist tool to the radiologist? And, and yeah. it's, it's gone there, basically. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. And of course, uh, you know, imagine the world of radiology. These are very, very high value, uh, high impact opportunity areas. And I know that, uh, you know, G Healthcare has signed a number of uh, multi-year contracts with uh, health systems really to help them uh, with exactly what you're describing. You know, talk to us a little bit about how these relationships work. And many of these are, you know, it's all public information. These are at-risk contracts. That means you're taking on some, you know, accountability for really making a difference to healthcare outcomes and so on. So, you know, a couple of questions here. Firstly, so obviously vast amounts of data. Have you built the infrastructure internally within G Healthcare? Are you partnering? You know, is this a cloud type partnership that you're working with? And what does that mean? How do you really secure the privacy and the security of the data and so on and so forth. So that's one question related to that. On the other end, how do you keep score in these uh, multi-year relationships with your customers? How do you demonstrate to them that you've actually, the software and, and what you described is extremely sophisticated. Does it deliver? And how do you keep track? How do you keep score? How, you, how do you communicate? Can you talk to these two aspects? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So look, now the first point, I think you made a very important point there. When it comes to the data world and the AI world, it is very clear that there is no one company that is going to actually do it on all, all alone. Okay, there's a vast ecosystem out there, a much bigger ecosystem outside of G Healthcare than what 
what we can do inside GLK. So one of the first things that we did on Edison platform is opened it up, right? So it's an open platform. We publish the APIs. We encourage, we, are, we run a number of accelerators. We start up companies in India, in China, in, in uh, Europe. We're working with significant number of companies here in the US to actually get their algorithms and their applications integrated on the platform so that we can actually take them to the providers and integrate them in workflow. Like a marketplace so for like a, a like third parties. Exactly. But it's more than a marketplace. But in, in many cases, we do significant amount of integration work because as I said earlier, the value of the algorithm is enhanced significantly if it is fitted well within the workflow. If it is not within the workflow, it is really not usable in many cases, even if yeah. it is a great algorithm, right? So that's what we have done now through the pandemic. One thing that has happened as far as healthcare is concerned, which is a very significant change that would have normally taken five, seven years, maybe even 10, that has got incorporated in less than a year, sometimes in weeks, is that the basic delivery model of healthcare is changing from hospital being inside the four walls of the hospital to the care getting distributed, right, and virtualized. So we have, you know, and cloud is going to be a very important technology in general, right, from this distribution and virtualization of healthcare delivery perspective. So we work with multiple cloud vendors. We have a multi-cloud, you know, sort of strategy. We work with AWS, we work with Microsoft, we are open to work with other cloud vendors. With AWS, we had we have a deeper sort of integration that is going on at this point in time. And we are doing a similar activity in, in some other domains, application domains with Microsoft. But essentially what we are doing is taking some of the clinical workflows and applications that we are building to cloud so that you, know, you can help the providers to distribute care across geographies and take it outside of the hospital, outside of the four walls and take it near the patient. When you do that, you know, you have to make sure that from a data privacy perspective, inherently, you know, you're taken care of this from a technology standpoint, as far as data privacy and compliance and, you know, things like that are concerned, right? So yes, you have to be HIPAA compliant. Yes, you have to take care of the PHI information. Yes, you have to protect the information. You have to be encrypt the information at rest, in motion. We are looking at technologies like confidential compute so that even the last mile, between the storage and the compute infrastructure, even that is secured and so on and so forth. So we are doing a lot of work in making sure that inherently we protect the information as we sort of distribute you know, the workflows across the geographies. So that's what I would say as far as the platform, the way we are opening it up yeah. and the partnership that we are switching together. Coming to the sort of second part of the question, but repeat it just, just so that Fine. I Fine, how are you demonstrating value? You know, this I is all fantastic conceptually. Uh, it is it is absolutely fantastic. It is sophisticated. It is comprehensive. How are your clients seeing the value? How are you, how are you demonstrating it to them? It's a very important question. And think, in fact, essentially, this is an area in which you can't create a black box solution and say, go just deploy this. Right. So we, we have to work hand in hand with our customers, with the providers, with the hospital systems, or you know, at times with the payers to really make sure that we can integrate things in a way that they can actually see and get the benefit from a productivity standpoint, accuracy perspective or precision health standpoint. So I think I think the early engagement in terms of what is the problem that we are trying to solve is very key for us. Once we get into that dialogue, now you can say, you know what, we need to really target stroke as an area. 
and we want to really improve outcomes for stroke patients and the stroke sort of care pathway in general. Then we get into a very detailed conversation about what the workflow is, how the clinicians do their work on a day-to-day basis, what does the patient journey really look like, map that, and then get into very specific you know, solutioning around, around the pain points that we are trying to solve. Now, when you do that, now that's all on paper, right? So you, you did all the analysis and say, okay, fine, I think we, we can reduce this by 30%. We can optimize it by 40%. We can reduce the patient wait time by X percent, whatever. You still have to create evidence around it. There are two things that we have done. You have put in sufficient amount of telemetry into everything that we do from a software perspective or from a platform standpoint so that we can capture what's actually happening when you deploy these applications. And that goes a long way in creating the evidence about the before and the after. But we also work hand in hand with the health systems to be able to capture that information because a lot of that information gets registered in their systems and we can work with them to see how we can actually look at the evidence as to how much we are getting. So we predicted something in terms of optimizations or operational efficiency or accuracy or patient outcomes. What's the actual? That next step is extremely important. And that's how we work with with the uh, customer community in general. So the vision that you described uh, and uh, the way you're approaching it, Back in 2017, I wrote a book called The Big Unlock, which really articulated a lot of this in a great deal of detail. And the vision that I had outlined in the book was that increasingly, we're going to have more and more data sources, more volume and velocity of data, and we're going to be able to aggregate all of that and be able to analyze it and drive healthcare outcomes through advanced analytics and AI and so on. And if I fast forward to 2021, It feels to me like we've been hobbled a little by interoperability challenges. We've been hobbled by certain self-inflicted problems such as algorithmic bias and uh, data insufficiencies and a whole host of issues related to the acceptance of AI in clinical decision-making. So it feels to me like while the vision may have been on the right track, reaching the vision or reaching those goals is a little further away than I originally thought. Am I wrong? You're right, but I think we are accelerating. So, uh, you know, if I just see what has happened through the pandemic, there are a number of things that we would have thought normally would take many years, which have got implemented very, very quickly. So there is a, in fact, ever-growing sort of need as well as push to deploy more analytics and use the data even more effectively and more faster than what was the what was the case before. But I think you brought up a few very important points. For AI to be effective, the variety of data is very important. I mean, I think there was a lot of initial effort to say, I have X thousand images and therefore I will build a good algorithm. And what people have learned is that it is not just the quantity of the information, which is important, but the variability of the information, right? Across different geographies, different genetic makeups of the patients is extremely important. And that's where people struggle, right, from an AI perspective. And the second thing is what I mentioned earlier, which is a tight integration in existing clinical workflows. Because you might have a great algorithm in place, but if it is not integrated in a clinical workflow, it is almost unusable. And people underestimate the effort that is required to actually do a deeper integration into an existing clinical workflow, right? And that can be a significant barrier if you have not accounted for it right up front when you actually start designing the full care pathway, essentially. 
So I think those those are the things that need to be taken care of. But the good news is, because of everything that's happening in the world, unfortunately, there are some good things that it is driving, which is it is really accelerating this journey and the push to make use of the information that's available to us much more effectively through AI and things like that, and really change the healthcare delivery model for good going forward. Yeah. I think that's well said, and uh, I do I do share your optimism. By the way, Amit, I think the uh, the pandemic has definitely accelerated certain things. It has forced us to think in creative ways about how we can overcome challenges for the immediate uh, future, but also lay down the foundation for how healthcare might improve with all the virtualization and everything that you talked about. We're coming up to the end of our time here, and I, you know I could go on for much longer. As a last and final note for today's conversation, if there's one best practice that you would like to share with your peers who are on similar journeys, or for startup founders who see an opportunity here in the world of data and advanced analytics to transform healthcare, what would that be? I think, see, at least my learning is that you have to combine the power of compute and analytics with the knowledge of the clinical space. And therefore, I would very strongly encourage people to form those partnerships, you know, with the clinical world, right? So it has, this is a work that needs to happen hand in hand with the physicians and the clinicians and the health systems. It cannot be done in isolation. So if you are a startup company, if you want to work in the AI space, joining hands, you know, in a larger ecosystem and a partnership where you can actually get the domain knowledge and, and the clinical knowledge and then combine it with all of the things, good things that are happening from connectivity, communications, compute, AI, you know, all of those aspects, then you'll get the best outcome as far as patients are concerned, right? The second thing I would say is that, look, you know, we we can get very excited about the technology, but we always need to focus on the last mile of healthcare, which is what is the outcome as far as the patient is concerned? It has to improve the patient outcome. It has to decrease the cost of healthcare as delivered to the patient. And it has to help early detection and early treatment and almost go into wellness, I would say, right, eventually. But we can lose sight very quickly, you know, by getting very enamored with technology. If we don't focus on that last mile, make sure that every effort that we put eventually goes into that patient outcome. Well, that was very, very well said. And thank you so much, Amit, for setting aside the time. My podcasts usually don't go a whole lot longer than 30 minutes or so, but I think we've stayed a little longer and it was a fascinating conversation. I look forward to following all of your progress. Thank you for being on the show and all the very, very best to you and your team. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox.